So there's a lot of fear surrounding loss of money and not having security, not having enough money in the bank. Um, but, you know, as you said before, the mindset of the wealthy is not accumulation, it's utilization. But how, how does someone transition from that space where they're taught that like the bigger your savings account, the more secure you are to the more money you have out there working for you, the more secure you are. Yeah, it's, it's just an absolute, yeah, it is a mindset change that you have to um, really look at money as something that works for you rather than just sits and accumulates like this big golden egg. Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to this week's Business Breakthrough Podcast, and I'm excited to welcome Stephanie Walter to the show. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited that you're here. Guys, Stephanie is the CEO of Airbay Wealth, and I asked her where that word came from. She said it is German for legacy, um, inspired by her dad, who's a second-gen German immigrant, and she is a capital raiser, syndicator, and real estate investor. She recently retired and sold her insurance agency of A. Gen C. So I'm so excited, guys. I can't even get my words out of 16 years by following the key principles she teaches professionals to use. And she teaches everyone to unlearn what most of us have been wired to think about money and re educating to create lasting wealth. And she works as a gateway between professionals and these well vetted deals, lives in Colorado with her husband and young son. Clean, nice, neat with a bow tie. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to have you here. And guys, I did something a little different this week because we're shaking the show up. We've been doing this for, you know, a couple years now. And based on your feedback, we're going to make this tighter, shorter, punchier, give you more value for every minute you hang out. So I sat with Stephanie before you even got here and got all the cool details on her history and her knowledge. And so I'm going to give you just, you know, the once over the basic background, and then we're going to dive into the fun stuff. So for 16 years, and Stephanie, correct me if I missed anything, uh, Stephanie ran an auto and home insurance agency and then somehow tripped over syndicated real estate in your journey um, from having invested in single family homes and, and what many people would really consider a solid investment strategy, right? You had a bunch of single family homes with their mortgages, rent was paying the mortgage, and eventually, you know, the mortgage we paid off and you could retire comfortably. And, uh, you know, many people would be like, wow, that's amazing. Like you've totally made it and you learned how to do it way better with the syndicated real estate world, which allowed you to retire. And so what I want to poke at today is a few things. Uh, one is just a, a clarity on what syndicated real estate is so that everyone knows and kind of what it means as an investment. And then we're going to push buttons. And I want to talk about just like wealth mindset and how people feel the wealthy get wealthier and that it has to be a lot of risk and stuff like that. So first, let's spend a moment on syndicated real estate and what it is and why it's so different 
now than it was, let's say before 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Actually syndicated real estate has been around for centuries, um, if you can believe it. And really the concept is, is just that a group of people come together and buy a large uh, piece of property that no one could do on their own. Um, and the way that that's structured is usually there's, um, there's a management side uh, that goes out and, and does all the hard work, finds the great deal, presents it to their investors, and then uh, the investors uh, sign on um, to, to the deal and the managing side of the, of the group manages the property and and really honestly it's like buying a business so we have a business plan of what we're planning to do how long we're planning to hold it you know what we're planning to do and then the investors just get paid monthly checks every month until we're ready to you know refinance or sell it in about three to five years the returns on the projects we do um uh have we're on our eighth deal and um for every single one have returned over 20% annualized return. So our goal is really to double our clients' money. Um, something pretty awesome happened in 2012. I know a lot of people are like, I have never heard of this type of any, you know, this is woo, <laughs> weird. Um, but this, like I said, has been around forever, but um, up until 2012, like if I had a deal, uh, an investment, I could only talk to the people that I had a prior relationship. So a lot of these deals up to that time were kept, um, as I said before, um, in the country clubs, in the, you know, knitting circles. And so I don't understand what that means. Like if you were to talk to a stranger about it, you could be prosecuted. Like what? What does that mean? Like you met a stranger on the street, you're like, hey, I have a real estate deal for you. And they're like, I don't know you, I'm reporting you. Like what, <laughs> how does that work? Well, we are actually really regulated by Securities and Exchanges Commission and have been heavily regulated. We still are heavily regulated by them. But um, up until 2012, you could not, like, um, I guess the, um, the reason why no one saw these on the internet or, you know, if you're surfing along and, and um, you didn't, uh, you could not like see an ad or something and say, oh, well, wow, what is that? Let me click on that. You know, it was all through word of mouth. Um, so that just kept it really, but you what know, does that mean? You weren't allowed to advertise? If someone would advertise, they could be fined or prosecuted. Like I'm, I'm trying to yeah, understand. It would, how yeah, it like absolutely. Even today, we still have our, you know, we have to list what type of offering we're going to have. And that means um, we either have, for us anyways, it's a 506C or a 506B. A 506C means that we can advertise and only accredited investors, people that have a certain net worth can qualify to get into that deal. A 506B is uh, is like it was done in the old school days. You, you have to uh, talk to people by word of mouth and you have to have a prior relationship with them. You We have to have, um, you know, well-documented, um, everything needs to be well-documented. Of course, 
Um, yeah, I suppose well, it, it feels like the government doesn't want people to be able to do this. That feels so weird to me. Is it like, who, are, who are they protecting? Are they protecting? And I'm not of this mindset that like, you know, everyday people are excluded from wealth at all. Um, so are they trying to protect the the wealthy so that other people can't get in? Or are they trying to protect the everyday investor from not getting messed over? Like what, what's this be- trying to protect? Yeah, I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both. I think that the, you know, they, for the last, I don't know how many years have kind of pushed people into the notion that you need to put your money into a 401k, let the banks manage it and the finance, financial institutions. But the banks are investing in these deals and then just giving you a lower percentage of return and keeping money off the top. Right. Well, when we, yeah, when we, well, when we work with people, we actually just have our investors in our deals. We do not work with institutional money. Um, There are people that only work with institutional money, but our goal really from the beginning was we did not want to accept institutional money or what we call family office money. That's money that is, um, you know, a family has a great deal of money to put somewhere. And we did that because we specifically, we wanted to open up our deals to people to get into that would have normally never known about this type of investing. So I want to break this down a little bit because you gave me kind of the the numbers. So $50,000 is the minimum investment. Correct. Then- yep the 20% return is overall after the three to five years. That's it's actually 20% annually. So if you, so every if year- If it's seven, 8% in cash, then how is the 20? So it's seven, 8% cash. So on $50,000, 7.5% is like 37.50, which means they get a 300 some odd dollar check every month. Correct. And then when we sell the property, you know, we aim to get over 20% returns on the money. So let's just say it's 20%. You take the seven minus the 20 um, and let's say 21 for easy math. Um, So then you're going to get 14% for each year that um, we've held the property on top of what you've already been paid as your cash. cash right. And then the yeah. aim is to double. So if you put in 50, you would walk away with hundred. Next time you invest hundred, you get back your monthly stipend on that, which is a monthly check of 600 something mm-hmm. after five to 10 years, you're getting a nice few thousand dollars a month. Uh, yes. As opposed yeah, to just having a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank, a few hundred thousand dollars in property is handing you a few thousand dollars a month in your hand, whereas a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank hands you, I don't know, think interest rates like $5 a month, maybe? Yeah, four fifty. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's that's 100% it. So yeah, you've got it. <laughs> so I like that a lot. Um, and I we talked a little bit about some of the myths that people have around wealth and the wealthy and what it looks like. So one of the ones you told me was that the wealthy don't get wealthy from being high risk. And I think that's a big perception out there. And I'm personally very risk averse and I don't believe you need to be super risky to build a business either. Um, And some of the most successful, not all, but some of the most successful business owners I've worked with, probably most um, are not high risk. 
A lot of them yeah. have a financial background, like they're on their game. They did it carefully. They did it calculated. Yes. And, and wealth is really the same thing. So what have you seen? Because you've been working with a lot of wealthy people in these investments. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I noticed. I noticed a lot of like things when I started working with, you know, obviously I work with, with, I want to work with a lot of average people, but I also work with really wealthy people and I like to, you know, learn more about them and their, how they got where they, where they are and, and all of that. But what I found really interesting is that same thing. They're very, uh, they, um, they tend to want to invest directly into an investment. So whether that's into someone's business, um, whether that is in a syndicated real estate deal where they're, you know, in any of these investments they think of, their first consideration is, is there going to be cash flow? Um, I think that's where I, when I was, you know, had my single family homes, I was, I would look at my net worth and be like, ooh, Look at my <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I have such a high net worth. I own all these properties. I don't get anything from it, but I'm super cool. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and like I get a couple hundred dollars a month and you know, cash flow. Woohoo. Yeah, you know. Whereas they think like very seriously about cash flow. And um, I was actually this was a, a little bit of an offset is um, my sister-in-law actually works in an entrepreneurship uh, for the University of Arkansas. And I was there for Thanksgiving and we were talking and she sees like tons and tons of, of these startup companies. And, and really what I do, it, it's not like a startup, but it is definitely a business. And I said, how do you know, what do you look at first to determine whether you think this company is worth you know, that it will go to the next level or that it might be successful in the future. Just what, what's the first thing? She said, I look at the team. I look at the team uh, and I looked at their, their past experience. And I look at, uh, the, and I would say, you know, when people think of this, they're like, it's too complicated. There's, there's too much to it. But really that um, answer to me just solidified that that is it you the most important thing about looking at these deals is the team do they have experience in the area have they done this before what have their past what have they done in the past what have their returns been um, that should be very easy to find out in this day and age um, uh, and that's really what the wealthy do is they vet the team. Then how does someone ever break in, right? Someone, everyone's new at some point. Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think my story is pretty compelling in that I got into, well, actually just learning what syndication was in 2016. Then I really, you know, went and, and got educated, you know, really kind of almost a master's in commercial real estate. And that took me until 2018, uh, at the very end of 2018, which is basically 2019, I closed on my first syndication by myself. And then from 2019. What does that mean? I got to stop you. What oh, are yeah. the things that you had to learn? What does it mean to close on your first syndication? Like break yeah. the whole thing down. This is like a whole, it's a whole business model in and of itself. Yeah. So what I did was I found a property and. Uh, How'd you find it? I like the details. I just, just, you know, just uh, looking at um, to see a cash flowing asset 
uh, we, I looked in kind of my backyard because I'm in Colorado. So I looked in Fort Collins. So did you drive Park. around? Did you open up the yellow pages? Like where you are, are you look at signs that say for sale? Like how yeah. does it like technically work? Exactly. We go, I used a lot of things that, you know, I was told about when I was being educated. So I looked at Crexy is it's a, it's a site that posts a, almost like a, an MLS really for commercial real estate. What's an MLS? MLS is like the multiple listing service for Got residential it. property, but instead of residential property, it's commercial property. And LoopNet is another one and um, just kind of talking to real estate agents, commercial real estate agents that you're looking and this is kind of what you're looking for. And so then that's how, you know, you, you find your deals. It, it's, uh, I mean, you, they could send you or you could yourself find five or 10 or 20 deals. And then once you underwrite them, which means, you you look at all the numbers and see how these how these numbers are going to pan out most of them get tossed aside and so i yes yeah, so who's selling I found, them why don't they want them if they're earning so well why are they on the market they're on the market um you know the commercial real estate agent is doing that to get the you know best price that they can get for their seller um a lot of people are out there buying commercial real estate um, on their own, you know, not with a team of investors that are coming in. But why is the seller selling if it's doing so well? Oh. Or is it that you're taking it and you're improving it? You hear what I'm saying? Like, it's no, you're not yeah. flipping. No, no, nobody's flipping. It's uh, as simple as, you know, someone like I, that property I'm speaking to you about right now, I'm in the process of selling and I'm not selling it because, um, I'm selling it because I want to move into a different market and I want to move into a different type of asset than what I'm in right now. What and are so the different types? They're different. There's uh, like, um, there's apartments, you know, there's, uh, student housing, there's, uh, retail, uh, you know, that's where you go and mm. your subway and your nail salon would be in something like that. Warehouses, um, that's, you know, big in, in certain areas, industrial. So commercial can be really anything, but my interest and my knowledge is really in apartments. And so that's where I want. And so to. how does it appreciate in value? Do you just find an undervalued deal? Is it an area that you're looking at that the, the area itself is appreciating in value? Do you uh -huh. do something to the property? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, that is the really cool thing about commercial real estate. And this might clear, clear up why it's not as volatile as, as really, uh, regular real estate or really anything else out there. So you buy a, a say 50 unit apartment complex um, and we you purchase it. We try to find a property that has been not been run very well because as we said, it's it's run, the, these are businesses. So we look at the different expenses and see what ones that are out of line, you know, where they're not doing a good job. 
uh, on on running it. Uh, so that's one area. Uh, that running we, it would not be collecting the rents. Running it would be more the expense management. Yep, expense management. Because we always look in areas where there's growth. Um, there has to be a tremendous amount of growth. We look in Florida. Florida is our market. Um, there's two what, 2,000 people a day moving into Florida. Wow. Yeah. So they right let everyone go remote and it's cold. People yeah. are like, hey, forget <laughs> it. Like, I'm, I'm going where it's sunny because I don't have to go to the office. Right, yeah. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?